0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 244. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Samuel with chapter 26. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may recall a few episodes ago, David is running for his life from Saul, the king, because God had the prophet Samuel anoint David as king, even though Saul was already king. This causes some tension between the two of them. And then two chapters ago, Saul realized the error of his ways when David spared his life, and he said all sorts of nice things about David and promised him all sorts of things, and you can imagine at this point that that matter is closed. It is, of course, not. 1 Samuel 26 continues, The Ziphites went to Gaul at Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding on the hill of Hakalah which faces Teshamon? So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 select Israelite troops to search there for David. Saul made his camp beside the row. On the hill of Hakalah, which faces Jeshamon, but David stayed in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. Then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had laid down. Saul was lying inside the camp with his army encamped around him. David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai, the son of Zuria, Joab's brother who will go down into the camp with me to Saul i will go with you said abishai so david and abishai went to the army by night and there was saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck into the ground near his head abner and the soldiers were lying around him abishai said to david today god has delivered your enemy into your hands now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear i won't strike him twice but david said to abishai don't destroy him Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish, but the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping, because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. There was a wide space between them. He called to the army and to Abner, son of Ner. Aren't you going to answer me, Abner? Abner replied, Who are you? Who calls to the king? David said, You're a man, aren't you? And who is like you in Israel? Why don't you guard the Lord your king? Someone came to destroy your lord, the king. What you have done is not good. As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men must die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were near his head? Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, David, my son? David replied, Yes, it is, my lord, the king. And he added, Why is my lord pursuing his servant? What have I done, and what wrong am I guilty of? Now let my lord, the king, listen to his servant's words. If the lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, people have done it, may they be cursed before the lord. They have driven me today from my share in the Lord's inheritance and have said, Go serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here's the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, David my son. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. The only really odd thing about this story is that we just heard this two chapters ago. This all happened before. This is just a almost a complete replay, except last time Saul was in a cave and fell asleep and David cut off a portion of his garment and felt guilty that he had even done that. And in this case, he takes evidence that he has been so near the king that he could take his spear and his water jug again to show he's not trying to kill Saul. Guess what? He is not trying to kill Saul. And really, at this point, everyone who's there, the 3,000 men, know the truth of this statement. But they should have known the truth of this statement two chapters ago. David does the same thing. Saul does the same thing. And Saul at the last part says, now come back, David, my son. And David doesn't come back. And you can see why David might not come back. Saul is not consistent. Saul doesn't let his yes be yes and his no be no. When Saul says, I won't do you any harm, he means right at this moment the way I feel today. And so that's what happened two chapters ago is he felt just as sincere. He felt just as repentant. And yet he's on the hunt for David again. And I wonder how many times we have that kind of consistency in our life. And that's certainly not the consistency we see in David here. David understands what's right, and he's trying to do the right thing. And he understood what was right two chapters ago, and he tried to do the right thing there. And he doesn't at this point say, well, you know, I tried to do the right thing before, and look, it didn't work out. And so this time you're right. Let's kill him. He understands what the right thing is, and he's trying to do the right thing every time, no matter how it turns out. He's doing the right thing because it's the right thing. And this gives us a glimpse of what in David God saw when God chose a shepherd over a king. It's this single-mindedness of, what should I do to please God? that will make David a good king when his time comes. But David knows his time has not yet come. There is a king in Israel, and that king is Saul. Let's go on to chapter 27. We have a little more time. David among the Philistines. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Mach, king of Gath. David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him. So David had his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, the widow of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So on that day, Akish gave him Ziklag, and it belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistine territory a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and raided the Jezurites, the Geirzites, and the Amalekites. From ancient days, these people have lived in the land extending to Shur and Egypt. Whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or woman alive, but took sheep and cattle, donkeys and camels, and clothes. Then he returned to Achish. When Achish asked, where did you go raiding today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of Jeremel. Or against the Negev of the Kenites, he did not leave a man or woman alive to be brought to Gath, for he thought they might inform on us and say this is what David did, and such was his practice as long as he lived in Philistine territory. Achish trusted David and said to himself, "He has become so obnoxious to his people, the Israelites, that he will be my servant for life." Achish is wrong about David. But it's interesting, David at this point doesn't seem to have any hope that the anointing of Samuel will lead to him ever being king. David feels like at this point he's been lucky so far, but at some point Saul is going to kill him. And so he finally at this point flees Israel and goes to the land of his enemy. And he leads a double life with Akish. He basically tells Akish that he is raiding one set of people when he's raiding another. He wants them to think that he has made an enemy of himself with Israel, while he has not. He's still living in this uneasy place of a man without a country. He's been anointed as God's king of Israel, but he is not. And it is interesting how many times in the Bible there is a promise, and the promise we have to wait for it to be fulfilled. Think of the patriarchs. Abraham has promised that he'll have descendants as many as the stars in the heaven, as many as the sand and the seashore, and yet years go by and he doesn't have a son. Joseph is told this dream that his brothers will bow down to him and instead is sold into slavery and sent off to Egypt. And it would appear that those promises are not going to come true, but in reality, they just don't come true yet. And David is in the not yet, in the time of not yet. Before this book ends, when we're coming to a close, David will come to the time of okay now. But he's still living in a land of not yet, and he's living uncomfortably and living somewhat of a double life as he tries to give his enemy, the Philistines, the wrong impression. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. After First Samuel, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do. I have a thought to do a study on what are the fundamentals of Christianity. And I have this idea, and I know that I've promised that the Bible Study Podcast is not a political podcast, but we throw out a term quite often in the United States, and that is of a fundamentalist Christian. And I like the idea of fundamentalism in the sense of what are the fundamentals, what are the basics of Christianity, but I do find that I don't always agree with other people's definition of being what is the fundamentals of Christianity from a biblical basis. So I'd be interested to know from you, in preparation for that, if you could only keep one verse of the Bible that you think best summarizes what the Bible has to say, what would that verse be? And then the second question is, what do you think other people who are not Christian define as the fundamentals of Christianity. If you have any questions on this episode, feel free to leave a comment on this episode at the com or send me an email to host at the com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris 2x and as always, thanks so much for listening.